Hey, good morning. Welcome to Mountain View Chapel Live. Um, those of you that um, have not worshipped with us at the barn uh, up to this point, um, I'm just trying to be myself. And so for most of you that know, this is one of my wife's favorite outfits when I wear overalls to the barn. Um, it's one of, for those of you that know her, <laughs> this is some good stuff. So, hey, welcome. Welcome to uh, us being together this morning. Uh, Missy and Bibi, thanks for yelling hello at us a little bit early. Um, for those of you that are able to watch us, we're super glad. Now, if you look at my outfit this morning, um, I've worn this before, but this is like really true. This is, this is um, I love um, us living in Madison. I love the, uh, the agrarian uh, life, the agricultural life of green, orange, uh, Madison, Culpeper, uh, and my grandfather. Uh, my early memories of my grandfather Stradley, uh, grandma and grandpa Stradley, they were farmers in Kansas. When I would go up there as a young boy, I just remember that he kept his nicest, bluest overalls for Sunday morning, and we would go to Xenia Baptist Church, and he'd have a white shirt, a red tie, and you got to check these out. Check out these. Oh, yeah, look, high top. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Anyway, um, just wanted to just wanted to show you walking down memory lane. But one of the things I just wanted to mention is that uh, so many times as we're talking about remembering and we've been looking at Psalm 105, uh, sometimes it's easy to forget um, godly examples and godly people that um, God has used in our lives. And and I can remember early on, I didn't understand it as a you know six and seven, eight year old, uh, but I can remember in the morning. Um, the cold furnace being in the middle of the house and it being cold. But my mom and my grandparents would get on their knees and they would pray together. Didn't, wasn't a lot of conversation um, as a kid. Uh, I remember falling asleep, wanting to run around and play. Uh, that was not something that I was understanding of at that. And yet when I look back on that, I'm so thankful for that heritage. So thankful for grandparents um, that loved Jesus and pursued him. Um, so it's, it's huge. Um, I just wanted to mention real quick that for our church family, like many church families, we're just trying to make the best of the situation. So um, for most of us, this is not our favorite style of interaction. We love to be together. Um, it's hard when we see each other not to embrace and not hug and um, you know, just that level of closeness and connection that God has blessed us with with our with our church family. Um, but I want to encourage you: um, guard your heart during these times about um, being more reclusive, more isolated. Um, it's easy to just get in um, certain habits during these times, and I just want to encourage you to 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 just fight valiantly to find ways to um, uh, express faith. But also at the same time, I know that there's some of you that you're, you've been struggling the time of year, uh, all that's going on. There's still a lot of challenges and things taking place. You have to nourish yourself. You have to make time, not just this morning, but you have to make time on your own. Because just like what we've been talking about, especially this time of year, the two ingredients that are like sun and water for plants, they're the same thing for us. Prayer that desperate, dependent communication with God and opening up, allowing the living Word of God, the Bible, to pour over our thoughts and minds. It's, it's super important. So just keep that in mind. Also, there's a lot of birthdays this month. So 
Um, just want to give a shout out for all of you that are having birthdays. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to all of you. Hey, Lori, do you want to help me? Anyway, happy birthday to you. Hey, we're looking at having, for those of you that miss watching Lori's face when I'm speaking, uh, we're trying to develop a Lori cam. Um, I'm just joking. It's just a joke. Anyway, all right, let's look at the Word of God. Let me move this out of the way kind of adjust here. Um, I, wanna, I want us to look at Mary Magdalene this morning. Um, so if you would, um, we just got a couple things. I would just want to, we're remembering people in their faith. We're remembering, so we want to remember Mary Magdalene this morning. And so we're just evaluating. If you go back and look at some of the lessons, we're, we're just trying to get our minds and our hearts around people that have exhibited faith, people that have shown great faith, that can be examples to us, because faith is our struggle for all of us. Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so, you know, we, we it, knowledge, understanding is super important, but we have to learn, we have to learn how to address our unbelief and have greater faith in our Lord and Savior. So a couple things I just want to mention to you this morning. I want to go through real quick. Mary, she was a Jewish woman who appears to be from the small fishing town of Magdala, Magdala on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Um, Mary was one of the most common names for a woman during that time period, so it appears that Magdalene was a reference to identify, identify her from other women by the same name of Mary. And you understand that even if you read um, at the crucifixion and you read different accounts, you're going to see so many times where Mary is mentioned and then there's Mary of Bethany, there's Mary, the mother of James, there's Mary, um, the mother of Jesus. So, you know, Mary Magdalene, look at that as a reference, the Magdalene, like this was the Mary that came from that small fishing town. So you can identify her so that you're able to understand or differentiate her from some of the other Marys in the Bible. So also just wanted to mention that Mary Magdalene is mentioned in all four of the gospels. Um, if you, if you've ever done a study on her, uh, she's mentioned 12 different times. She's mentioned, her, she's mentioned more often um, than some of the disciples that are in the scriptures. She's often mentioned first um, in the list of women, of women followers. Like when you read or you see anything about her, it's not uncommon for her name to be listed first. And some equate um, this referencing to almost like how the Apostle Peter is listed first and just her level of influence and leadership among the female followers of Jesus Christ. And it would also appear that uh, Mary was a relatively wealthy woman by the level of support that she gave Jesus and the disciples. So just want to give you a quick little bit of background, and then we're going to read through some scriptures because I want you to see her presence in the scriptures. And even as we read a couple of Sundays ago, and then we even, we even read it again as we were talking about uh, Nicodemus and how Nicodemus and Joseph, um, um, uh, Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body off the cross. Let's start in, in, in John chapter 19. We've been in John uh, for a couple of weeks just talking about the resurrection, talking about the crucifixion. So let's go back and let's just talk about, um, um, let's look at John chapter 19 and we'll begin reading in verse 25. So, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of uh, Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to this woman, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple 
took her as his, it took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now being accomplished, um, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he said, "I thirst." Now I read that. We're looking at verse 25 and 27. I'm going to jump down to chapter 20, and I want to read the first uh, couple of verses of chapter 20. Sorry, I read a few more verses longer than what I had listed for you. Um, In John chapter 20, verse 20 and 20, I mean, verse 1 and 2. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, I just want to mention real quick as we're reading these, and sorry I got all excited about reading uh, John chapter 19 again, because um, just the reality that Mary Magdalene um, had become a follower of Jesus Christ. She had exhibited faith in Jesus as Messiah, as Yeshua, as the sent one from God, as the Son of God that was come to be the Lamb of God. And so um, she had began to, begun to follow him. And so her fellowship and her commitment to him um, was very evident that she was there at his crucifixion. She was there all the way through. She was there, um, I believe, that when they took him off the cross. And you see that even if you go and read some other scriptures, that part of that anointing process and getting the materials ready, that Mary, Mary Magdalene was there the whole time, and she was one of the first at the tomb on that great morning of resurrection that we've been celebrating. We've been celebrating the resurrection miracle that we call Easter. So Mary Magdalene was there. Now, I want to have you jump over to Luke, and we're going to stay in Luke. So go back to Luke chapter 23, and I want you to read, this is where we're going to read the majority of the verses here. Luke chapter 23, and we're going to begin reading in verse 44. Excuse me, Luke chapter 23, uh, 44 through 46, because I want you to see a a little bit different wording here um, in the account of her being there at the crucifixion. Verse 44 of Luke chapter 23. Now, it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over all the earth until about the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. So many details in this portion of Scripture, but we don't have time to break these down this morning. But I hope you make note of some of these. Verse 46, And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw that what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together um, to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts in return, but all of his acquaintances, and notice this, and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. So let's continue to read. Now, behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed, so he wasn't a part of the vote. Remember, we talked about that, the the Sanhedrin. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb, and um, that was hewn out of the rock, is that there were no one that had ever been laid there. That day was a preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. Now, notice this verse. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, 
and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant, fragrant, sorry, fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now let's look at verse twenty. I mean, chapter twenty-four. Let's begin reading in verse one. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, that is, a greatly, they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, that's a phrase you need to circle and we need to meditate on. Wow, that's good. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. Notice he's referencing back this whole reference to Galilee. It's, it's just so cool, the detail here, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the leaven, and to all the rest, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. And these words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. So I just want you to see, and you know, we've talked about this, and I just want to make note of this, that it's, it's not uncommon. Even as brothers and sisters in Christ, um, isn't it amazing how we can be blessed by brothers and sisters, their faith, their faith expression. We can walk alongside, and yet at certain times we all struggle with doubt. So here's Mary Magdalene, and then we're starting at the, the end of Christ's earthly ministry. And I'm kind of going to kind of go backwards because I want you to see how her faith progressed and how important she was to the gospel message and the preparation of the church being launched. Mary Magdalene is an amazing woman of faith, an amazing example, not just for women, but for us as men. She's an example to all of us of what growing genuine faith looks like. And we're talking about her here at the crucifixion, and it's amazing. It's important. Her faith and her life are so important that her name is specifically mentioned by multiple gospel writers. She's recorded in all four gospels. So I think that we need to take note and try to evaluate and learn some things about this great woman and her faith, because here she is. Jesus even appeared to her and then she goes, and her and this group of women. And I just want to say that men and women continue to have conflicting interaction because of our, our natural DNA. But men and women, God has created us to bless and encourage and work together through the different perspectives. My wife has a perspective on things that I need in my life because I see things as a man. And God reveals things to her as a woman 
And I need, and, it, and it, it's designed so that we learn from each other. And even in this account, you see that these women had great faith. They were there early. They were focused. There was great things going on. And yet when they went back, <laughs> they were just, at that point in time, they were just kind of dismissed. So we all need to just guard our hearts and not have callous, cold hearts to the beautiful faith expression that other people have. So just a little note. Let's be open to that. Let's be aware of that. Go to Luke chapter 8, if you would. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8 and verse 1 through 3. I think it's so important for us to just break these verses down because I want you to see, we're getting to the crux of why I've been trying to help you see just a little bit of the life of Mary Magdalene and get a glimpse of that. Luke chapter 8, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. So you see the earthly ministry of Christ. You see what's going on here. They were together. They were ministering. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called, them, called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Now, if you just reference them, write down Mark chapter 16 and verse 9. Mark chapter 16 and verse 9 just reinforces that Mary, we don't know if she also had infirmities because of the nature of the structure of the sentence here and what's being said, but we do know that Mary had seven demons that she was free of, that Jesus Christ had given her a sense of freedom and forgiveness, and she tasted the salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when I read different authors, when I read different scholars, it's, it's amazing how even now, um, we try to explain away uh, evil spirits and demonic possession and the influence. And especially in our current culture, I know there may be some of you that are listening to this and you're studying along with me, and it's just, it's a little much. You know, you want to make it a psychosomatic. You want to make it a, you know, a, a, a mind issue that, well, these were the terms that they used back then, and you know, these are the things that we understand now. Um, but I just want to remind you, um, and I'm just telling you from my own personal experience, my own life, I believe in demonic possession, and I believe in evil spirits. And to me, they're fallen angels. And just like I'm not going to go into a whole study of um, angelic beings this morning, uh, but the Scripture makes it plain that they're above us, and we're a little lower than the angels. And their abilities and what they're able to do. And if you see the earthly ministry of Jesus, um, this was a regular thing. And he actually got in trouble because this is not an easy thing. But Jesus was able to take victory because he was the son of God and he had great power. Um, but what I want you to just think about this morning. Um, 
I can't even imagine being possessed by one demon. Much less seven. The torture, the, the, just the anxiety, the lack of control. Um, I mean, the darkness. I, I, I don't even, I don't even a- adequately know what words to put around what this would be like. God knows what poor Mary had to deal with. And obviously, if you think about it in the context of her being an affluent woman and probably a woman of means, um, no matter how much money was available to her, no matter what she possessed, she could not have peace internally in her soul and in her mind. I'll just use the word tormented. Mary Magdalene was deeply tormented and had a dark world until she met Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God. This is what I want us to see this morning is, here's a woman that, in my mind, she's an intelligent woman. If you look and see the position of what she did, she knew how to position herself. She knew how to fit in. Um, She understood, in my mind, she understood status in society. I just, uh, I look at her as a, a very intelligent, successful, a sharp lady. Um, but none of that gave her any sense of peace and freedom inside because she was possessed. She was controlled by something other than God himself. So then when Jesus, when she met Jesus, some type of faith transaction took place where that Jesus cast out these demons, and then that void was filled with Jesus' presence. Does that make sense? Because there's other scriptures talk about if the demon is cast out, but there's not something to come in and fill the human, then the demons just come back. So obviously, with Mary Magdalene, she was given victory, but then the peace of God came over her. And there was a change that took place in her life. So then, if we look, I, I want to just mention to you um, Luke chapter 7. If you would, just go back, because I want you to look back. Where I'm in my Bible, Luke chapter 7, is, I can keep on the same page here. Verses 36 through 50. And we've got the verses listed here for you. I'm just going to kind of read through and kind of skip and jump. Um, you can come back and see. This is a dinner. Verse 36, let's read. Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. He went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. And we've mentioned this before, but this woman had a reputation. Even, Even in surrounding counties around here, people usually know kind of what's going on in people's lives. It's good and bad. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her, hair, with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them. I'm just going to go ahead and read the whole story. I can't jump over this anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, 
He's having an inward conversation. He's saying to himself, but not his lips are moving. This man, if he really were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teach, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing for which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I think it's amazing that we have this illustration, this story revealed to us and then we just have a a, um, a record of these women and Mary Magdalene it just and honestly it just kind of passes over like Mary Magdalene she had seven demons cast out and there's not a whole lot of details there's not a whole lot of information um, about what is taking place in her life so obviously we've got the amount of information that we need And so for me, when I was younger, I used to really struggle with this because um, I had, you know, done things outwardly from a behavior and action standpoint, but I had friends that had done worse. And so I can remember just being confused. I've, I've tried to be honest with you about me being a recovering religionist, so I can just remember that certain evangelists and preachers And I used to look at my life and I used to wonder, for me to love much, do I need to go out and do heinous things and then ask his forgiveness so that my love, I mean, this is how twisted up my thinking was as a a young man, as a teenager. And it, I didn't understand, but now I have come to understand that this is also something that can take place in our hearts and souls. And I think that what I see a lot in our society is you don't have to do bad things to realize that the depth of our our evil intentions is in our hearts and souls. And a lot of people make mistakes they act on, they do things. And then people that not, and that's what Jesus was trying to say to the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees, is like, you you act like you don't do all these things on the outside, and yet in your heart, your heart is more dirty and wicked and black than the people that their hands and their feet and their actions express those things. So 
For me, it's been a process of me understanding. And I'm thankful that I haven't committed certain things and I haven't done certain things. And yet at the same time, I've realized that deep within the seed of my DNA is the exact same sin struggle. And it's only because of Jesus and his redemption and his forgiveness that allows me the privilege to walk the road that I am. And so I am learning to love him and follow him more. I want to leave you three things real quick. Three words that should help us remember the impact of faith when we experience the forgiveness of our Lord God. Now, I'm also going to ask you to, to use these three things. And I, I'll just, these three things, they'll apply to any relationship. Some of you have, um, you have marriage struggles right now. Some of you have family struggles right now. Some of you have struggles with friends and um, maybe it's somebody in a church family that just annoys you, that you, you, just difficult challenges. Let me just say this, that the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ, just like we see in Mary Magdalene, should create three things. And I've used, hopefully you'll be able to remember these words. But the first one, I just want to talk about love. Mary Magdalene, she had this incredible love for her Savior, Jesus Christ. We even see in this, the illustration here in Luke chapter 7, to whom much is given, for whom much is forgiven, much love is returned back. And I, I hear a lot of people that they, they say, oh, you know, they proclaim like, thank you, Jesus. I asked Jesus to jump into my heart and I'm going to go to heaven. Like this easy forgiveness thing, like they're really good and they just made Jesus their buddy because it would be cool to have him escort them to heaven, but they're really good enough that they think they're going to get to heaven anyway. That's not the kind of thing that we're talking about here. Understanding the desperateness of our situation and then experiencing the sacrificial love of Jesus and understanding that our sins have been taken away because of his great sacrifice, our natural response to this should be, Loving him in return. And there's so much that could be said about this because the scripture makes it very plain. The apostles, the disciples said that if you love him, doing what he asks is not that hard. So it begs the question, do we really love him? Have we really been forgiven? Have we really experienced his forgiveness in our life? Because Mary Magdalene, just like this woman that came in and did, what you see is she gave great love back to Jesus and a growing depth of sacrificial love. Is your love changing? Is your love for your Savior changing? Is it growing? If you were to compare your love for yourself versus your love for the Savior, which one grows exponentially day by day? Does your love for your Savior and love for God grow? Or you say, Okay, I love him, but it stays static, but you take care of yourself all the time. And so self-love continues to grow. That's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. Sacrificial love for Jesus and God the Father, the work of the Spirit. Number two, what we see through Mary Magdalene is her labor. The impact of her faith, the forgiveness that she experienced for our Lord, labor, that earnest work on behalf of God's kingdom. 
These group of ladies, they followed around, they followed, they supported, they helped, they sacrificed. You can see that they gave of their very essence. They endeavored, they helped, they came alongside, even upon the crucifixion and even after he was buried and being able to be part of the resurrection. Mary Magdalene was exerting investment, energy, effort. She was laboring, she was working for her Savior and for the kingdom of God. We just got to stop making excuses. Well, no, we all do what we want to do. Don't say I love over here, but I've got no labor time over here. Because we all have the same amount of hours and we're investing in something. We're investing in someone. So what are we doing? Mary Magdalene was an incredible example that she had this love for Jesus because she'd been forgiven, she'd been rescued, she'd been transformed, she'd been set free. She had a peace that she did not know before she met Jesus. Now all of a sudden, you see her actions, the laboring of her hands. Number three, loyalty. Mary Magdalene, and and guys, I'm just going to tell you, now, I know that things are changing. We're in a wacko society. But one of the key things I've learned from my wife is loyalty. Mary Magdalene had loyalty. She had a deep connection regardless of the price. And I just want to point out, it's funny to me that Mary Magdalene, in, at least from my view of the scriptures, Mary Magdalene, her love and her labor, labor and her loyalty, she just clipped along. Strong woman. I, I, it would make sense to me that Mary Magdalene was there with some of the other women when they were doing all the horrendous things that they were to Jesus when he was on trial. The Sanhedrin, the beatings, all the different things that are going on. Let me just show you something. And men, we need to learn from women and we need to learn from this godly woman because Peter is bold and vivacious and is big and bigger than life and such a strong, outspoken leader. You don't read in the record that Mary Magdalene denied Christ in the middle of crisis. She had this deep loyalty that resonated in her soul and she was focused. Her actions followed. There was this deep sense of connectivity that she could not be pulled away from her Savior. And I'm just telling you right now in our society, I feel like that we've lost that godly loyalty. So much of social media, so much of what our nation, the news, everything's built on is slamming, judging, throwing stones, condemning. I mean, people turn on each other at the drop of a hat. Loyalty is one of the outgrowths of a person giving their life and following Jesus and learning. And you want to know why? Because God is so loyal to us. Even when we don't deserve it, even when we don't merit it, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he stands with us in our failures, in our faults, in our struggles, our misunderstanding. When we are his child by faith and we present ourselves to him and we say, we want to follow you by grace through faith, we enter into this relationship. God is way more loyal to us than we are to him. But it's through love and investment 
laboring that this aspect of loyalty is developed because we are all naturally loyal to self, not the Savior. Mary Magdalene exhibited to me an incredible godly characteristic, this deep connection regardless of the price. What does it take to trip you up? I'm just going to ask you, do you throw your spouse under the bus, bus when it suits your fancy? Or do you, are you learning how to be loyal? How are you with your friends? How about people in our church family? It's easy to judge, criticize, and throw stones, especially from afar. But when you're walking next to somebody, and as, a, as a sh- one of the shepherds in this church family, can I tell you one of the reasons why I've learned to be loyal? When I'm invested in somebody's life and I'm standing alongside of them during their failures or faults or struggles, when you're standing alongside of somebody, you're way less likely to throw stones at them. When you're not invested and you stand back like you're a judge, and you've got no sweat equity in the relationship, isn't it amazing how it's always easier to throw somebody under the bus that way? What about your relationship with God? What kind of sweat equity you you have in your pursuit of Him? I think that we need to learn to be like Mary Magdalene. And our loyalty needs to increase. Some of you, I'm just going to talk straight up. You want to talk about faith? Then when you get in the wrong crowd... You got no backbone. And your mouth transforms from you quoting Bible verses on Instagram to having a potty mouth when you're in a certain group or you indulge in substances because you don't have any backbone because you don't have any loyalty for your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to let love grow, to invest, to labor for our Savior. It's not because I'm a minister and people look at me. No, my loyalty to Christ has grown through the years. The guy that I'm talking about, about changing his stripes when he's around people, that was a religionist named Tim when he was 16, 17, and 18 and could not figure out what genuine faith looked like. I would go to church and long for Jesus, and then I would go to bars And I would go to other places on Sunday night and try to fit in because I was so confused. I'm not throwing stones at any other person. I'm being honest and truthful about my own struggle and my own lack of loyalty because I didn't understand his love for me, genuinely. I didn't get his love for me. And I didn't know how to labor and love on his behalf. So this morning, I want to lift up Mary Magdalene as an incredible example of a woman, a human, a person of great faith in Jesus Christ. So let's be honest. Let's look at ourselves. And, you know, this woman, people knew that she was struggling. She had seven demons. I mean, that's not the kind of thing you can usually keep hidden. And yet they saw the transformation. So I don't care where you've been, what you've done. Don't let your past define you. Let the love of Jesus and his transforming power define you and learn to love him more. You experience his love, you learn to love him more. You learn to labor, you invest yourself, you get connected, you do things, get outside of your comfort zone, change what you're doing, and then you learn to be loyal. Some of you men, learn to be a real man. So when you're on the job and guys start running their mouth and telling dirty jokes and doing all kinds of stuff, 
You don't have to stand up and proclaim, pull out your Bible, but you can walk away. If somebody says, oh man, why aren't you? You can say, no, dude, I'm not into that kind of stuff. That's not how Jesus wants me to live. I love him. I'm trying to keep my mind pure. I'm trying to draw close to him. That's loyalty. That's being loyal to the one who gave himself on our behalf. So let's allow faith to grow in our lives. Hey, thank you for studying with us today. And let's be the people that God has called us to be. Let's remember people of faith. Let's remember their lives and their choices for faith. And let's allow our unbelief to be crushed and allow belief and faith to grow great. And let's proclaim the message of our risen Lord. Let's show his love by this one thing. Will all people know that we're his disciples and that he is alive and the resurrection was real by the love that we have for each other. Have a good one. Take care.